0: Saints
1: Saints Podcast. Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Ordinary Saints Podcast. I'm Richard. And I'm Sarah. And before we talk about anything today, I think we want to talk about bad weather.
0: Yeah, we've had a really rough go here in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Um, we've had Cyclone G- Gabrielle. Gabrielle, I've been told I can't, it's not Gabriel as in like the angel, it's Gabriel.
1: It's Gabrielle. Gabrielle. It's Gabrielle.
0: Gabrielle, yeah. Anyway, she did us a good one uh, here, and at the moment it's pretty tricky navigating all the news. Being in Tamaki Makoto, we haven't really had the kind of impacts that we've been seeing up north and even in other parts of Auckland. Uh, So it's pretty weird, isn't it, Richard, to sort of see the extent of damage on the news and feeling really helpless and at the same time, yeah, just reeling in it.
1: Yeah, and it's been really protracted. So for our listeners in Canada, we had a big deluge here in Auckland, like the heaviest rainfall in recorded history in Auckland only Mm. two weeks ago. So we had flooding at that stage two weeks ago. Some of us were out among it. it was... Unbelievable. I've never experienced, uh, and I I actually was out amongst it when it happened, Uh, and it was quite severe, and we had some deaths in Mm. our city of Auckland at that time due to, you know, landslides and house collapses and a few things like this. Uh, Awful, awful stuff. And then the cyclone has come through and brought even more rain, and this time it hasn't just hit Auckland, it's really hit, yeah, as I say... To the north of us, Northland, really badly. It's hit the the Bay of Plenty, uh, Napier, Hastings, Gisborne, really badly as well. And again, a number of people have died. So we've certainly been feeling that and mm. are really aware. And yeah, tough time for lots of people out there. And so before we talk about what we're going to talk about today, we just want to acknowledge that. That yeah. there's lots of hurting and fear and concern about this. Because yeah, the weather has come along in the middle of summer and... Yeah, it's just, it's really crazy and alarming in lots of respects.
0: Absolutely. If you are struggling to put words to this, we had a humble attempt at trying to put together a prayer for these circumstances. So Okay,
1: so I'm just going to stop Sarah being modest. Sarah wrote a really wonderful prayer, and that's available on our different media sites. Uh, It's there on our Instagram, it's there on Facebook, and the various ways of connecting to it. If I remember, I'll try and link it in the podcast notes so you can see it. But it was a way of a a really heartfelt response uh, that came, as I say, from Sarah with support from uh, other members of of our community to to kind try and give some words uh, to what has happened.
0: That's exactly it. I mean, I wrote it at 3, 4 a.m. in the morning because I couldn't sleep thinking about all the stuff that's going on. And sometimes we need to wrap words around stuff. So if you're struggling to do that like I was, then feel free to use it. I think it's right to acknowledge, of course, that what's happening here isn't the only disaster going on in the world. Oh, not by any stretch. Yeah. And, you know, thinking about Turkey, et cetera. So many places are reeling. Whenever we come to record a podcast, it's always difficult to, to know where to go with that in terms of not being able to name stuff sufficiently before we talk about other stuff. But we thought it was really important just to name that there's some really hard stuff going on in the world and we don't want to detract from that.
1: So normally at this point, having acknowledged all those sorts of things, I'd I'd offer a prayer. But we've drawn your attention to the prayer uh, Sarah has already written that we're going to attach to this podcast. And rather than me saying it and doing it that way, we'd encourage you to read it uh, and to think of all those uh, experiencing uh, some real times of hardship at the moment. And now we're going to actually get into the podcast and talk about our topic for today, which came to me very strangely... As I was on a walk last week, uh, you know, uh, in between uh, deluge rainfall here in Auckland, and this thought came up, and look, I'll tell you the thought first. The thought was, I need a new Gandalf.
0: (laughs) Yes, I have to say, Richard did relay this thought to me very early on, saying exactly that. Well, I'm not lying.
1: I was on that walk when (laughs) I sent you that message and said, I think I know what I want to talk about on the next podcast. I want a new Gandalf. So what do I mean by that? Well, and not to genderize it particularly, because this is not a a gender thing at all, um, but I was just thinking about the different mentors I've had, and they have been a mix of women and men, and I was just thinking of that archetypal mentoring thing, and because I've recently uh, watched The Lord of the Rings again, because, you know, that's what you do if you're a patriotic New Zealander, Um, Because, you know, we're all hobbits here. Um, And I was thinking about that relationship, you know, between uh, different hobbits and Gandalf as sort of a mentor, as a wise, supportive figure, someone who has answers, someone who offers different perspectives. And as I was walking, I was reflecting on the different people I've had who have held that role in my life. And the reason for that was because I was thinking through some really heavy stuff of my own. And I suddenly went, ah... Um, I need someone to talk to about this and I don't have someone holding that space in my life right now and it did cause me to reflect, as I say, initially on the the many different mentors I've had and I particularly started really getting mentored when I first came to Theological College here in Auckland 20 years ago And I found some really wonderful mentors. There was a priest, Jenny Harrison, who was a really important mentor for me. Um, And more recently, one of those people was Bishop Jim White, who we've mentioned several times on this podcast, who sadly is no longer with us. And he was also one of these sort of mentoring people for me and someone who I could go, who I could trust, who I could share deeply with, who I could say, look, I don't know about this or I'm thinking about this. and What do you think? Where's some advice? And right now I don't have that person, but... As I worked through this issue, I thought, well, this is something we can talk about. Because actually, there's a long tradition in the church of people having different kinds of mentors. Sometimes they're called spiritual directors. Sometimes they're supervisors. Sometimes it's a combination. Sometimes you might be part of a church that has elders, as they do in some years. It's not such an Anglican thing, but some churches do that. Because it's that way of encouraging these sort of cross-generational relationships. Because sometimes you want someone who's been there, done that, who you can talk to.
0: It's pretty fitting because for me personally, my mentors have always been a fair amount older than me, which has been important to me, I suppose, just because I know that they've walked a lot of life, you know, and they've, they've had to work through a lot of hard things. And so therefore they've got some wisdom accrued from that. But I actually saw an article, Richard, this morning about Ooh. how the brain peaks between, I think it's 60 and 70 years old or 70 and 80 years old I oh, I'm and
1: so relieved i thought you were about to tell me it was like <laughs> 43 and i was no. gonna go, damn it it's all downhill from here
0: and it was interesting because <laughs> it talked about how people of that age group are able to use both hemispheres of the brain when making decisions hmm. uh, as opposed to the one hemisphere when you're younger uh, at a time so i'm gonna send that to richard and he might be able to link it but i found it fascinating and it, it It works for me. It makes sense because I've got some pretty strong mentors in my life. My father being one of them, who's worked through a lot of hardship. My spiritual director, who I've had for 14 years now. My supervisor as well. And my godfather and, you know, various other, I sort of collect mentors to be fair. But I have just found their wisdom so crucial In my life, especially when navigating really confusing times, I think kind of what you're alluding to, Richard, those those moments in life where you think there's a crossroad here Mm. or there are many options before me and I don't know where to go. And sometimes we're so close to something that we can't see it with the perspective that we need, that someone who's walked this stuff before can and who knows you really well can say, hey, I can see this. I can see these themes coming through. What do you think? And help you to make sense of that.
1: Yeah, and I think it's that thing of trying to find someone who understands the world that you're a part of, who gets the nuances, who gets some of the dynamics, but who also sort of doesn't have a dog in the hunt, if you get what I mean. that You know, who's a little bit, stands at a bit of an angle to it all, so they don't necessarily have a vested interest in any particular outcome. That's a place where they can give good advice from. I've had quite a lot of mentors, and the sad thing is, all the ones that I go to who are my go-to people aren't with us anymore. And that's one of those things about tapping into that resource of people in a later stage of life is that, you know, sadly they die and then we lose that resource. Mm. And And I'm just so aware, because as I say, I do a lot of my working my stuff out when I'm exercising, primarily walking or running. Even though those particular mentors I've just mentioned are no longer with us, I have conversations with them all the time. <laughs> I ho- hope that doesn't make me sound too eccentric or strange, but... <laughs> Um, they are kind of my angels and they're on my shoulder still. And I talk to different ones all the time. Sorry, I'm just thinking of another one in particular. And in fact, that's a discussion I had with him when he was alive was about how he had lots of people who still journey with him, who he still has conversations with. But there's also something about a (laughs) face-to-face conversation with someone who's here in the room as well.
0: Yeah, there's something about having someone sitting across from you and you being able to feel their presence in the room. And especially when it's a hard time, you know, for them to just yeah. reach over and say it's going to be all right, is really a powerful thing to be able to have access to.
1: Yeah, and I think getting the balance right is a really important thing as well. So one of the ideas around this concept of spiritual direction is the idea of a soul friend, which is literally journeying with someone at a really deep level of really connecting well with another human being. I think that's quite a beautiful idea too. So again, it's just a really wonderful part of the process to go, actually, yeah, I don't have all the answers and I acknowledge that because when I was younger, I I had a lot of answers. They weren't necessarily the right ones. And in fact, some of those answers were to questions that people weren't even asking. Uh, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, so relatable. It's okay. I can... <laughs> I can I can laugh at myself now. <laughs> I've gotten sufficiently old.
0: I'm just laughing myself in the now. So <laughs> that's good.
1: <laughs> it's nice to actually go, oh, that's right. I don't actually know it all. I'm not the be needle. And actually, there's wisdom out there, right, to be tapped into.
0: So I'm just going to give a bit of a shout out to my spiritual director, just because as you've been talking, Richard, I have been reflecting on the things you're saying. And what really resonated was what you said about someone who understands your world is sort of not all the way in it Mm. and that's been the case for me with my spiritual director who I've known for a long time isn't in the Anglican church but was raised Anglican is very Anglican if I you know I'll, I'll admit that on her behalf and understands a lot of the theology and I guess approach to prayer that that I resonate with. Um, I would call her absolutely a mystic. Uh, You know, she's very into contemplative prayer, very tactile, uh, has an incredible connection with animals, which is something that's really important to me, uh, and is not shy about experiencing divine in the tangible world. And Mm. that is very life-giving for me to be able to discuss that at a depth that I find it hard to find in other places. So that brings me life, and I'm really grateful for that person in my life because I'll tell you a little story. Growing up, I was obsessed with animals. Still am, just disclaimer. And I also had a really strong faith, you know, still do. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, some things never change. Not to say that I haven't had my my moments for sure, many, many. But I guess I always wrestled with why have I got this – this passion for animals you know what what is with that what what, how is that part of this whole picture right because i guess in my mind i had been taught to believe that you know it's all about jesus it's all about the mission of jesus and all of these things and so animals didn't really have a part to play at all and that really confused me because sometimes the closest i felt to god was when i was hanging out with animals now Mm. Now I'm at the risk of sounding like an eccentric, and that's okay, because I've come to terms with that. I guess what I'm trying to say is that through my spiritual director and having her understanding of you know mystic spirituality and Celtic Christianity, it really opened me up to a whole new area of spirituality, of Christianity that I had never encountered before. And exploring eco-theology, animal theology, and the way that intersects with liberation and feminist theology everything started to tie together and I realized this isn't a part of me that is surplus to my experience of God or surplus to my calling. This is part of it and that's going to work its way out in my life in whatever way. But I guess it stopped me feeling, it stopped me feeling alien to my own world, if that that makes sense. I thought I was kind of an outlier, I was a strange person, Mm. you know, to have all this have all these experiences of God and the natural world and, you know, and to, and to feel so divinely close to God when I was smelling a horse's mane, you know, which is still remains the closest I ever feel to God, to be honest. Mm. And yeah, it just made me feel at home with that. I was like, I'm not strange. This is okay. And this is part of who I am. And that was really beautiful. And Then again, navigating various incidences where, you know, I'd lost some of the coping mechanisms I used to have and I had to adapt. And, you know, being able to talk that through with someone who knew me, who knew what gives me life, who knew how I connect with God and how I find strength and how I find peace and how I get centered was just crucial to being able to navigate those times.
1: Yeah, and I think that's what a big part of mentoring is about, right? It's about giving permission. It's about opening some doorways, saying, you know, it's okay to come through into this space. So, And again, a, a book we've talked about in this podcast before, one of my favourite books, An Altar in the World, is like that. So this book by Barbara Brown Taylor, In a weird way, she is kind of one of my mentors too, right? Because so much of what she writes speaks directly to my experience. And again, it's that invitation into a bigger way of living, Mm. uh, a more generous way of living. As young people we have, and I can't really claim that anymore, but look, (laughs) I can remember what I was like because it wasn't that long ago. As a younger person, we have a wealth of experience too and we have so much to contribute to the world and lots of unique perspectives. That's why I have spent my entire ministry working with younger people because there is so much that's enlightening and different. And I love the fact that I have members of my former youth groups who kind of inform my experience and help me to grow in that way too. There's also a different kind of wisdom that comes born of experience over time as well. So, look, you're right. Mentors can actually, it's not just older, wiser people. There can be definitely young, wise people too who, who challenge our perceptions and push us, but, you know, in a different way.
0: I like to call them old souls. Yeah. I often encounter them. Um, there's a couple of people in, in the community of ordinary saints who I would call old souls. And, you know, what does that mean? I don't know. Just sometimes, I guess, a wisdom that doesn't seem to equate to the person's lifespan at this point. Yeah. And usually it's attributed to people who've, who've been forced into situations that have meant that they've really had to endure uh, more than, I suppose, people of their own age might have. Uh, yeah. And as a result, they... They come out with some some real pearls.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's what we call hard won wisdom, right? Yeah. Where that's people it. have that's had it. some had some challenges and have learnt from it. While you were talking, I was also reminded of one of my training vicars. I actually had two uh, well I actually had three training priests when I went through my curacy because I, I worked two jobs and I had there were co vicars in one place and an, another priest in another place. Aren't you so, special? Yeah. I, you I, well, I obviously needed a lot of work. Um <laughs> But I can remember because my job as the curate was to run the youth ministry, so I did that. But then one of uh, my senior colleagues was in that youth space with me on one occasion, and I was really struck by he was really, really inquisitive, and he was very close to seventy at the time, but he was really interested. in, so, what are the you know he was just asking them there, what are the programs that you're watching, and why do you what do you like about them and stuff, and it was really interesting. The Last watching. of Us, that's what I'm watching. <laughs> 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 sorry, sorry, a curveball in there. It is a curveball, yeah So th- there might be a small obsession uh, with The Last of Us mm-hmm. happening among a section of the Ordinary Saints community oh, yeah. we, we might return to that on our next podcast <laughs> But he was he was asking those sorts of questions And it's interesting because at that age I was watching a lot of the similar stuff already Because I was close enough in age that the sort of entertainment I liked was the, the same entertainment that they like, but I watched him doing this, and, and he legitimately went out and started watching things, and then he had things to talk to with his young people. Just such an obvious move, right, of, of, of crossing generations. And interestingly, in my ministry when I was a vicar, I had to go the other way, right, of going, what are the older parishioners in my congregation? What are they engaging with them? What are they watching? And yeah, and, and it did mean I watched some programs that I wasn't super interested in, <laughs> but it did not mean I had a point of connection. Is it Country Calendar? It was just some ter- <laughs> terrible stereotypes. I could look, always get by with Agatha Christie, fortunately. I so
0: love Country Calendar. All right? so I like Agatha
1: Christie, to well, be there fair. you go. Yeah. See? But yeah, it was that, that kind of skill of going, a big part of mentoring is about legitimately taking an interest in another person, mm-hmm. of, of actually saying, what you enjoy in this world, what you're contributing in the world is a value. And that's just such a great thing. So, look, if nothing else everyone should try and find those relationships and like the weird thing is that i'm finding i'm sort of at a different stage in my career where it's it's my job isn't just to actually receive that stuff anymore it's to give it as well
0: i was gonna say that richard i was like here you are talking about how you need a mentor and you know actually i'm aware that you've made a really significant difference and in a lot of lives and that's you know this is your this is my chance to build you up and and stop you from being too humble you know you definitely are that person and I appreciate your guiding advice, even, you know, in the community of ordinary science. It's been amazing um, for me and others. But how does that feel, Richard, being someone who is proactively seeking a mentor and, you know, you've talked about all of your incredible mentors you've had and do mm. have. How does it feel now moving to that stage where people are seeking you out for mentoring advice?
1: Yeah, it's sorry. Everything you just said was really humbling. So I just want to acknowledge that first I'm really, really bad at accepting compliments. So. Yeah,
0: that's why I like to do it in this context because <laughs> you <laughs> well, can't back the really,
1: out so easily. The really nice thing is that as you were speaking, I had to rehearse and just go, right, Richard, what are your defence mechanisms here? Oh, you make a joke, <laughs> you say something silly and that pushes the compliment away or you say, oh, I'm really embarrassed and, and you make a big fuss of it and then, then you don't have to accept the compliment. So I'm, I'm growing and being more mature. And Look saying,
0: at that, amazing.
1: I will accept the compliment, thank you. But it is, certainly in terms of answering the rest of that question, uh, yeah, it's a humbling thing and it's it's really odd because, look, I, I'm sure you hear older people say, I'm not that old. Okay, I'm 46. I'm just declaring that here. So I'm 46, mid-40s. He's 40s. finally revealed his age. <laughs> but it is funny holding quite a middle ground in the church because that's what I hold. And it's that funny thing of a lot of people in the church are older than me still. In fact, probably the, probably a clear majority, I would say, if we look at our statistical returns and so on. I'm still at the young end of the age, but at the same time, I'm also a really old Anglican. And I've been ordained quite a long time. You have. Um, yeah. What is it going to be this year? 18 years? 19 years, maybe? Sheesh. Yeah, so it's getting up there. 19 years this year.
0: Goodness, that's ages.
1: Yeah. So it's quite a chunk of time. One of the real privileges of being an ordained person is that all sorts of people who would never come to you to talk about things suddenly go, oh, you're ordained, I can trust you, (laughs) and do. And that's something that clergy have to work really hard to preserve because it's such an important part of who we are, which is why trust is such an important part of the job, and maintaining that trust and being Mm. worthy of that trust really matters. It was really daunting when I was 29 and people are treating me like that, (laughs) or younger.
0: Were you ordained at 29?
1: 28.
0: Ah, you beat me by a year.
1: I still feel really young, Mm -hmm. and I still know, because I get to live my internal life, that I am really stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, No, okay, so let me explain what I mean by that. I know how much I don't know and as much as you can so i'm aware that there are huge limitations to my experience and lots of things i don't know or i don't understand so i i know that's out there yeah i also know what works for me or has worked for me but again i also know that that doesn't necessarily work for everyone and i also know that i still feel the same as i did 20 years ago even though i am older and i have learnt more So the mind's kind of deceptive that way, right? Uh, And it is scary when you start looking in the mirror and start going, oh, no, I actually have wrinkles. Oh, uh, My hair's (laughs) thinning in places. This is terrifying. (laughs) It is a strange thing. So, yeah, when someone comes and says, can I talk to you and so on, like, I try to treat that with a lot of respect. And to go, they might be seeing something in me I don't easily see in myself, but I'm going to trust that. And I'm going to do my best being aware of my limitations yeah, uh, because there are limitations and I do have them, um, but I'll try.
0: I think that's a pretty consistent theme though. Firstly, I just want to say wrinkles, wisdom lines. Let's redefine that. (laughs) Secondly, I want to say, okay, let's just dial back to when I was a youth, right, in Mm. youth group. And I used to look at the youth leaders, okay, and they were like 17, 18, and I used to think they've got it. (laughs) Yeah. They know how the world works When I'm their age, I will know everything there is to know. Then when I was 17, 18 and a youth leader myself, I thought youth pastor. The youth pastor knows what's up. When I become a youth pastor, if I become a youth pastor, that's when I'm going to understand how the world works. When I was a youth pastor, (laughs) I used to look at my vicar and say, that person knows what's up. If I ever become... No, this is a lie. At that time, I was like, there's no way I'm ever going to become a priest. Ha! Um, but, you know, I remember thinking, you know, that person, that person yeah. holds wisdom, yeah. that person. Now that I'm a priest, I look at... The point is, I guess, when you... You can't see it for yourself. Yeah, Once man. you're in it, you lose perspective of how valuable you are to other people or what you might be able to offer people because you kind of do still just feel really young inside. Yeah, I personally do, you know, days I wake up and I'm like, I swear I'm still 18. So just to get back to your other comment from earlier, Richard, what I found really bizarre as well is being ordained at 29 um, and then being thrown into sort of some really heavy situations very quickly. Now I'm no stranger to death, I've, you know, Our family's seen a lot of it, but still being in situations where you're having to pray with someone as they're dying, Mm -hmm. take funerals, you know, these kind of heavy moments where you realize you are holding the space in the room. Now, in the moment, you kind of just do it, right? You're kind of, you're just there, you do the thing. But then afterwards you have this reflection you think, I just did that. I was that person holding that space and you still don't quite believe it. It's, you know, and this is something that always fascinates me is that when you're in it, you don't see it. And so when people come to you for advice or, you know, they just want to chat and things, we can quite easily presume that we don't have much wisdom or anything to give. But actually, you're right. It's the person who comes to you that can identify what it is that they see in you. Mm. And we've got to trust that because I don't think we're ever going to have an adequate perception of ourselves, actually. Yeah.
1: That actually taps into something we were talking about right before we started the podcast. We are talking about the importance of feedback yes. and how well we gauge how we're doing. And that actually, particularly here in New Zealand, we're not super great at giving people compliments really or are. building people up. We might think someone's really great and often we don't go and tell them. But the other thing that I've learned is I've got to flip that around. So how many of my mentors or the people that have made a difference to me have I gone and told them? Have I gone and actually said, you know, that made a difference to me. I just want to say thanks. And it's one of those things I think about quite a lot because this is one of the great sides of social media is that I'm able to reconnect with all sorts of people Mm -hmm. who have made a difference in my life and actually say, Thank you. This might be out of the (laughs) the blue and a bit weird, but I need to say thanks Mm. because you made a difference to me. So, look, if that's the one thought I want to leave at the end of the podcast –
0: Say thank you yeah. to your mentors. yeah mm. who
1: are who are those people who have made a difference, who have helped you, who have journeyed with you a bit, who have given you some advice that made a difference? Mm. Just say thanks.
0: Yeah. That's good. Good night to leave on. Mm. If you've got any feedback or any questions or anything like that, feel free to flick them through. Uh, the podcast email is still the same, Ordinary Saints podcast at gmail dot com and it's been lovely to have a yarn with you today. Thanks for joining us.